relationships is one of the core values of, of spirit life. Um, whether you've heard us say that before or you just experienced it, relationships are key. And uh, I believe that God gives us, you know, really the family uh, to be able to help us to know more about him, um, to know more about ourselves. Um, you know, if we're isolated and we're by ourselves, we can't grow as much. But when we get around community, um, we're able to grow because community, it protects us but community also challenges us. And uh, we know that, you know, family can be challenging. There's obviously, it's, there's all of life can be summed up in, in family and all the things that happen there. And uh, I believe God did that on purpose in order to be able to help us. But uh, I listened to a podcast um, last week, and it's kind of funny, someone had mentioned there, not necessarily about family, but just about, about things. And they said, you know, we all have trauma, drama, a daddy and a mama. So that's the truth. You know, there's things that were traumatic in our lives. There's things that are ongoing in our lives that we would consider to be drama. Um, we are products of our, our parents and how we were raised. Um, but I really believe that, you know, family is forever. And whether you're in a, your family has, you know, some things going on right now, um, whatever the dynamic of your family is, um, it's forever. I mean, your, your blood. Um, no matter what you do, you're always going to be family. Whether you agree or disagree, whatever it is, you're family. And, you know, other than obviously a, adoption where you get to choose your child, we've done that. There's plenty in here that have adopted a child. Um, other than that, you didn't choose your family. God chose your family for you. Isn't that amazing? So you say like, well, I don't, I don't like his choice. <laughs> God knows what he's doing. And uh, I hope that through this, as we get into uh, this series, and uh, we will be having the Clausens come at the end of this series and teaching on parenting, so we're excited about that. Um, but uh, I just kind of wanted to start out, I want to I look at the scriptures and see what the scripture specifically for, for um, you know, husbands, for, for fathers, uh, if you plan on being a husband or a father, this will help you, even if you're a lady in here, uh, thinking about, uh, you know, your father or, or a husband or, or in the future so forth. I wanted to take a moment and first kind of just lay some foundation and find out, number one, what the Bible says about a wife and what the Bible says about children. And then I want to take us into what the Bible talks about when it comes responsibilities of a husband and a father. And then I want to kind of sum it up with, and there could be many, but I just chose five things that I've learned as a husband and a father. Um, I'm not perfect at it by any means, but when I've practiced these things, I've gotten better results. And the practicing is the hard part, right? going in, in those moments, because that's one thing family does. Um, it really, you know, you get to find out through confrontations, different things, you really get to find out more about who you are. Um, and that's what God's working on. You know, you can't work on somebody else, but you can work on yourself. So, um, I don't know if you've ever heard this before or not. Um, I know that I first heard it, maybe in different ways, but with this language, I heard it through um, the weed offs when they taken us through some leadership stuff, um, you know. But every one of us is a product um, of your your nature, your nurture, and your choices. What I mean by that is, you're a product of your nature. That's how God created you. There's certain things that are in you that are hardwired, 
that it's just who you are. This is how God created you to be. Your nurture is the things that you've experienced in life up to this point that have attributed to who you are right now. These experiences that you've had, how you face them, those experiences, how you responded to them, whatever it would be. And then your choices. And this is like, it's amazing whenever you do begin to do like kind of a self-assessments and you know, we've done a lot of different leadership assessments and stuff like that. When you, I think it was this last year, I've done so many different ones, but I kind of realized after a while that I was like, wow, humanity really is, there's only so many facets of, of the human nature. There's so many things that we're more alike than what you think. We go through different things, we receive them different ways. That's why with the, with the nature, the nurture, and the choices, two people, a hundred people can go through the exact same situations be brought up the exact same way and come out totally different because of how they received it, because of the choices that they made because of it. And God is working on us. Can you, can you agree with that? God is working on me. Can you say amen? He's working on us. I'm reading a book right now. Um, so far, it's really good. I've always heard good things about it from other people that I look up to, and I finally got the book. It's called um, uh, Man's Search for Reason, if you've ever heard of that before. It's from Viktor Frankl. Um, he was an Austrian uh, uh, psychologist and a Holocaust survivor. And uh, he's the one, if you've ever heard of logotherapy, he's the one that really fathered logotherapy, and it has to do with your thoughts and just how you think about situations. And I want to share this with you. Uh, a, a quote that he had in his book, and it says this, thinking about him, you know, he was in a concentration camp. I won't share the details of the things that he, that he went through that I've read so far already in the first 40 pages. It's, it's wow. And, and you think about things that he went through and had to do this on a daily basis, and we complain about things, you know, that as he was treated that way um, uh, from, from the Germans. But here's what he said in, in his book. It says, forces beyond your control can take away everything you possess except one thing, your freedom to choose how you will respond to the situation. You cannot control what happens to you in life, but you can always control what you feel and do about what happens to you. And this is just kind of taking that you know, that ownership, um, we can't, can't take control of somebody else, but we can take control of ourselves in those choices. So I want to start off just with this, just really um, talking about what the Bible says, uh, really about the wife and the children. Here's a couple scriptures. Uh, they should be up on the screen. In Proverbs 19, 14, it says, only the Lord can give an understanding wife. Only the Lord can give an understanding wife. Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. If you're married in here, look at your wife and say, you're my good thing. <laughs> he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 12, 4 says this. An excellent wife is a crown to her husband. And I like this one in Proverbs 31, uh, 10, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. 
Now, for some guys, they might be thinking something different as they're reading that. Well, we're not talking about the wives today. We're talking about husbands and fathers. But the Bible says that a wife is a good thing. To have a wife is to receive favor from God. If I want to be favored by somebody, I want to be favored by God. Can you say amen to that? Nobody favors like God favors. She's excellent. She's a crown to her husband. And my wife will be teaching on some of those things next week when it comes to the wife and, and being a mother. But here's what the Bible says about children. I just have one scripture here. Psalms 127, 3 through 4. Children are a gift from the Lord. goes on to say they're a reward. They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. You know, that paints a picture when it comes to children because they're like arrows. It didn't say they are arrows. It said they are a gift. They are a reward. If you've got kids, no matter what's going on, sometimes it's, just, it's all this. We've been talking about this all year long, changing our perspective to not what we see or what's going on right in front of us, but the original design of what God has intended for every single person. And when we begin to agree with God and we begin to speak and see the things that he sees, we can release our true identities over each other and help each other to become all that God has called us to be. Their children are a gift, they're a reward. They are like arrows. What does that mean? It paints a picture of a warrior shooting an arrow out, launching it way beyond you. And it depends on what kind of warrior you are to where they're being shot at has to do with you. How, you. how you train your kids is how you're really launching them out. Are you launching them out to be successful? Are you just launching them out? Someone's like, hey, psh, I, heard a, I heard a comedian say, <laughs> I heard a comedian say, uh, uh, reading this, this uh, it was a Christian comedian, so you know, bear with me. Hopefully this will go over well. I've told jokes before and it didn't go over well, and I'm like, oh, man. They're like, oh. Anyhow, it, this guy was just kind of joking around. He said he's reading the Bible to his son, and he says, oh, look, you know, uh, about Adam and Eve, how they sin. You know, sin came in the world, and, and they, they had to leave. And he goes, looks like you're leaving, you know. And he says, you got to get the whole way to the New Testament before you can come back home again like the prodigal son. <laughs> Anyhow, so that was, that was okay. That was right there. Maybe that was like a two. We're, work, we're working on it. Uh, <laughs> so, thanks, baby. She's my encourager. So those are some important things about the wife and the, and the children that we see according to Scripture of what God says about a wife and the children. Now I want to kind of look at husbands, uh, being a husband and being a father. And, uh, you know, the word husband in the, the Merriam-Webster dictionary says a male partner in marriage. In the British, I, I like this, it's a steward because you're just, you're just not a man um, that can plant a seed, so to say, you, you are a steward of what you're doing. Noah's Webster, uh, Noah Webster, his dictionary is from like 1828, uh, considers a husband, this is where we get kind of like the word farmer from, it's farmer, that husbandry, you're, you're, you're a farmer, you're, you're cultivating. So a husband is someone who is a steward that has been given you know, stewardship over something, obviously our wife and our children, and then we cultivate. We're called as men to help cultivate the next generation. We're there to help cultivate the things of God in our family. And, you know, even, even in your own family, if you're not married, you don't have children, you can still, as a male, you've been given a responsibility and a stewardship 
to be able to pour into the next generation. There's plenty of ladies out there that don't have a male in their life to speak life over them. Maybe they don't even had a dad to speak life over them, to draw them up into who God has called them to be. They don't see themselves as a precious jewel, which they need to see themselves as, so that they can shine. Jewels are so beautiful when you see them. You just you reflect the right light, or they're cut the right way. You shine light on it. It's brilliant what they can do. You ever see that movie? Um, Queen Esther, was it like, well, I think it was called Esther, wasn't it? The movie they did, they had, and she had, uh, you know, she had her star of David, and in one scene in the movie, no, I'm, I want to give it away, but in one scene in the movie, when she's there, and, and really, it's been her identity that she was a Jew came up before Haman, that light shined in and hit the jewel on that necklace, a star of David, and illuminated the whole place. This is what it's like when we can call each other out, especially a woman who is a jewel, that she can shine and reflect all the glory of the Lord that she's created to be, that can help us reflect all that he's called us to be. Are you with me? Amen. I think I was a better amen than that, but that's okay. You guys are still waking up. Praise the Lord. So I, I want to touch three scriptures here about being a husband. One's dealing with your heart, one's dealing with your action, and there's a promise um, that God gives us. The first one's in Colossians chapter 3, and it says, let every husband be filled with cherishing love for his wife and never be insensitive toward her. Let them be filled with cherishing love. In realities, you know what, and I'm not, I can't stand up and say here that I always, you know, view my wife as a cherishing, you know, in cherishing love. I I don't always, in a sense, I'm walking in that. But I can see, you know, the responsibility, the stewardship of what we had. You know, our wives, man, they should be the most precious thing that we have. I won't say a thing. They should be the most precious person to us outside of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're to stir ourselves up in our love for them. We're to pursue them. That's one of the main things that a woman desires is to be pursued. She don't want to be the only thing you're pursuing in a sense. She wants you to pursue God, wants to go after her. She don't want to be your prize in the sense of being the only thing as, as if you have to fulfill my life and it's your duty to do that. No. It's a, a, a together where we're pursuing one another, but she wants to be pursued. Are you with me? Man, I thought I'd get some women saying amen to that one. So it says, let every husband be filled with cherishing love for his wife. Never be insensitive. Boy, I slipped up there many times. Been insensitive to my wife. Wanted my own opinion. Wanted my own thought. You know, one of the things for me, and I I could say it's probably a guy thing too, but there's times that we've had things and, you know, hardships, and maybe I even brought upon because I was being insensitive to her in the moment. And maybe part of that insensitivity was that I, I said the right things, but I said it in the wrong way. You know, you can be right and wrong at the same time. And I've been that way many times. I've said the right thing, but I said it in the wrong way or in the wrong tone. Men, we have been given a stewardship and an authority upon our lives that, you know, just speaking, sometimes we don't realize that we, we are being harsh, whether to our wives or to our children. We don't even recognize it. And one of the things that we can do to be able to help recognize it is when our wives begins to correct us with that, we just receive it. We say, was I? Was I really? I, I, did, I didn't realize that. And then a lot, you know, allow God to lead us in those things, but God wants us to cherish. When God speaks to us, you know, sometimes we're, we think God's, we're, we're expecting God to speak to us in a harsh word when he speaks to us tenderly. 
It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It's His kindness that draws us in. It's His kindness. It's also one of the hardest things to believe is when God speaks kind things over you because we still view ourselves in our old nature instead of our new nature. And that's the battle, isn't it? To be able to see ourselves like God sees us. Another scripture, that's really talking about our heart right there. Another scripture with our actions in Ephesians 5, it says this, Husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wife with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself. And some guys are like, oh, great, I just got to let her do everything. You know, I just get died of myself. I'll get some, you know, no. It's not meaning that. You know, a better word to say it like this is, prefer her, choose her. And, and, and in return, it, it goes on, this is, this is in, the, in, in, the, in the marriage part between a husband and a wife, but the Bible goes on even as in believers that we're to prefer one another over one another, not wanting our own desire, not trying to get our own way, checking our own motives. And guess what? You're not qualified to check your own motive. We talked about that. Last couple of weeks, every man's right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Only the Word of God can test the motive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I've been there many times. I'm sure you have been too, where I thought my motive was right, and when I got alone in God's presence, He began to show me what was missing. Not that I was wrong, so to say. You're just saying, you know, what's wrong with me? You know, what's, what's going on with me? It's really what's missing. What, what was I missing? And this is why the demonstration, this is what I, I love so much about the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So they're not, they never ask you to do anything that they haven't already done. And they're not asking you to even do it in your own ability. They're asking you to do it in their ability. Jesus goes on in, 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 I think it's John 15, and he says, as the Father has loved me, I love you. Abide in my love. The same way that I've been loved by the Father, I'm giving you that same type of love. So really what it comes down to in the times when we don't feel like we have something to give, it's because we have stopped receiving from the one who gives. Are you with me? Thank you, Jesus. We choose her. The scripture goes on to say in verse number 28, a man who, sh- who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. I believe this is another problem uh, in, in humanity and even in the church is that especially, you know, if anybody should love themselves, and I'm not talking conceitedly, I'm not saying, you know, I love me. Oh, you know, just love me and just all about me. No, but we as believers of anybody on the planet earth right now, we should be the ones that think more, not highly of ourselves, but we love ourselves. We love who God is creating us to be. We're seeing ourselves the way that he sees us. I think sometimes we have a hard time loving other people, even our wives, is because we have little love for ourselves. He who loves his wife loves himself. When you're full of love, it's easy to love, whoever it is. When you're filled with love, it's easy to love. And not not man's type of love. Man's type of love is so momentary. It's like a feeling that goes up and down. You never know what you're going to get. 
But the type of God, the love that type of God has for us is that agape love where we choose, not from our own strength, but we choose to receive from his love. And out of that love, we're empowered to give it to whoever. And the first people that should receive it would be our wife and our children. Are you with me? Then there's a promise to, uh, to men, you know, and husbands for their wives. It says this in, in uh, 1 Peter 3, 7. Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. As women, they lack some of your advantages, but in the new life of God's grace, you're equals. Treat your wives then as equals so your prayers don't run aground. Or a more popular translation say, so your prayers are not hindered. You know, our prayers, men, can be hindered by the way that we treat our wife. I didn't make it up. That's just the word of God. But if I'm, if I'm seeing, if, if there's something you've been praying for and it hasn't happened, maybe it's been a long time, you know, I remember Kenneth Hagin always talking about, you know, you just gotta, you gotta check your, if something's gone wrong, check your love walk. How are, we, how are we treating other people, specifically, you know, our wives and our children, those in our family? I know sometimes it feels like people don't deserve love. None of us ever deserve love. But God, in his mercy and in his kindness, he chooses to love us. Thank the Lord that he does. And then he empowers us to be able to love just like him. Now I want to look at real quick um, Fathers. No Webster Dictionary says this about a father. One who begets a child. One who feeds, supports, and creates. I'm going to give you, I, I felt to do this, I'm going to read to you um, Ephesians 6, 4, and I want to read it to you in a couple different translations. They'll be up there, and we'll go through it quickly, but I want you to see some of the different things that kind of give you a broader perspective of this scripture, and this is really talking about our actions as fathers for our children. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. The Message Bible says this, fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios, really, really, you know, unrealistic expectations. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. The Living Bible says, don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline the Lord himself approves with suggestions and godly advice. You know, I, I still think a lot of times, you know, I, don't, I, I can't go back into the whole thing, but you know, they, you go back in, in generations and just see how uh, when children are raised and just families and stuff, and we went through a generation, uh, it would probably be like, you know, my, my parents into, um, you know, uh, uh, grandparents. And it's really not that everybody, it's not across the board that everybody is this way. But that generation and the generation before my parents and kind of going in more so to my grandparents, um, there was very little, not that, it was, not that it wasn't there because it was there, but there was very little love shown between a father and, a, and, a, and the children. It just wasn't shown. There wasn't much hugs and things going on like that. You know, you got to be tough. Suck it up, you know, whatever. And the parents were always right. Yeah, I'm right. Don't matter. You're just a kid. You just do what I say. 
And uh, we kind of, I don't want to say, you know, that, you know, my mom wasn't necessarily like that, saying that, in, in that way, but there was just sometimes, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, why? Because I said so, you know, you know, the different things that you have, you know, growing up and people say, you know, if you don't, you know, some of those things you say, if you don't, you don't knock it off, I'm going to knock you in the next week. Well, you don't say those things anymore, right? You get in trouble saying that now. <laughs> but, uh, and we understood, I mean, you know, at least in our family, it was just words. They weren't necessarily actions going on, but there were people that had actions. But the words are different now, too. We've got to be careful of what we say. Our kids are sensitive, and we want to be able to build them up. And I'll share in just a moment some of those things and some stories, but... You know, Colossians, Paul talks about this in Colossians. This, it's a similar scripture to this when he tells us why it's important for us not to treat our children this way. He says in that scripture, he says, if you do this, they'll become discouraged. They'll, be, they'll lose heart, and they'll just quit trying. What happens is that that's, that's a, a, a picture of breaking the spirit of a human being, where they just, they're just broken. They don't even want to try anymore. And we need the next generation not just to try, but to be. You know, John talked about that this morning, you know, opening the service up and just, just letting God. I was thinking about it last night. We went to a concert last night uh, with Jason Upton in, uh, in um, Parker's Prairie and, and just thinking about that as I'm sitting there in the, in the presence of the Lord as he was ministering and there's so many things because I remember Silas telling you know, us now and again whenever he's doing something, if we correct him in something, he's like, well, I'm trying, I'm trying. And I, I kind of brought that up in my spirit as I was there in God's presence and, and the Lord said, not just over him but for myself because usually when God speaks to you, he's speaking to you even though he, you see somebody else. He says, that's it, Jeff. You have to stop trying. Don't try to be like me. Just be me. It's the choice. All of his fruit, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, all the fruit, all his nature is living on the inside of it. You don't have to try to be like God. You make the choice to walk in love. You make the choice to walk in peace. It's there. And as we choose to do it, it grows in our lives, and those fruits begin to get larger on the branches of our lives. Can you say amen? amen. So, two more scriptures. Proverbs 22.6 says this, dedicate your children to God and point them in the way that they should go and the values they've learned from you will be with them for life. The values they learn from you will be with you for life. I want to sometime, I'm not, I'm not prepared to do it today, but I would love to be able to teach on, do kind of a series and just help you guys as we're learning ourselves just what values your family has, what values you want to pass on because you already have them. Whether you know what they are or not, you already have values and those values are already being passed down to the next generation. But when you're intentional about what you value as a family, maybe you value, we value having dinner together. You know, we want to we, we, we be, have dinner together at least, you know, and I know people are busy, we want to have dinner at least, you know, two or three times a week around the table. We're actually having a home-cooked meal. You know, that's one of the things that, that uh, my son misses the most, Micaiah, whenever he's, you know, at school, he'll come back and he's like, oh, man, I haven't had a home-cooked meal in so long. That's one of the first things he wants, maybe even before a hug. Give me some food <laughs> that mom cooked. There's only a couple times that I cooked that he liked it, so... <clears throat> That's why she's the crown. <laughs> I 
but we're to dedicate our children to God. You know, to dedicate it to Him, our children, is not just when we bring them up here and we say a prayer over them, you know, say we're going to raise them your way. It's like in, in the middle of what's going on, we're dedicating to Him, say, Lord God, okay, I need your help in this. What do I do? How do I do this? You've heard us say this over and over again, especially this year, if you've been here any length of time. The moment you, the greatest opportunity for growth is in the moment of the greatest resistance. Right when you feel like you just want your kid to go away right now, I just need, what's really happening is God is really trying to grow you up in an area. There's a little boy or a little girl inside of us that needs to grow up ourselves. And God is using that in order to trigger something in us. Can you say amen? That's just, hey, amen, praise the Lord. Because God wants to work on us. And it's funny that he'll use those closest to us to do that. I love this, the promise um, of taking care of our children. Um, God shows this promise through Abraham. And I love this. And in, in the context, in the context of this verse that we're going to see in just a moment is the moment right before, you know, God comes, uh, the, the angel of the Lord, they come, there's a couple other angels that are with them, and they come and to speak to Abraham, and uh, they're beginning to share with him, you know, some things here, here and there, and they're getting ready to go into Sodom and Gomorrah and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for the sin of that place. And uh, this is happening in that same context. And God spoke this, he, right before, he's like, how can I keep back from Abraham what I'm going to do here, seeing that I'm going to make him a great nation? And this is what he says in Genesis 18, 19. I have chosen him, speaking of Abraham, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. I, I have chosen him to be a father, to direct his children, keep the household after him, and keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. There's things that God has promised you, and he wants us to be able to direct our children. And and sometimes when we're directing them, we're also directing ourselves at the same time. It's that choice in the moment Even though we're the parent and we have the authority, we're not only directing them, and we can call it correcting, and and we need correction. The Bible talks about correction. We need to be able to handle and receive correction, but we need to be able to give it rightly as well. And sometimes when the Lord is, is having us to direct them, he's also directing us at the same time. I'm sure every single parent that's in here that God has spoken to you some, in some way, some form, some fashion, so many times through your own kids and did something in your own heart. I remember one time um, there was a, a little boy, he's a grown man now, I'm sure I've, I've kept up with him, his name was Sumret, and I was in, in part of our church in, um, in Florida, and I was sitting there with my friend. Um, I don't think I was married yet. Me and Natasha might have been dating. I was sitting with my friend Jared, and this little sumret comes up, and he looks at Jared, and he goes, are you a, a boy? And, you know, Jared's just thinking, like, trying, you know, he's trying to speak language of the child. He's like, yeah, I'm a boy. And he goes, I thought you were supposed to be a man. <laughs> and he walked away. And I look at Jared. He just begins to cry. 
I mean, God, just something like that from a mouth you know, of a young child. God was dealing with something, something on the inside about being mature and just growing up. And, you know, it, it's hard to make choices in the middle of things. It's not easy being a Christian. It's not easy choosing truth every single time. It's not easy grabbing a hold of your emotions and your own flesh that wants to do its own thing in the moment that is rising up the most and trusting in Jesus and saying, God, help me. And if you do blow it, if you do miss it, to be able in humility to go back even to our children. I, I, I believe in this. Some, some maybe, maybe they think otherwise, and I could say, you know, humbly, I think you're wrong. Because your children need to know when we get it wrong. And I've practiced that with my kids when I did it wrong. I've even had conversations where I said, honey, you know, or son or daughter, whatever it was, I, 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 you know, I said this the wrong way. I, I, I was too hard when I said this, or I, when I did this, I shouldn't have done that. Even though this was right, I did this wrong. And I just want you to know that I want you to forgive me. You know what they usually say when the kids? It's all right, Dad. Because <laughs> God has placed in them an example of what it's like to be able to forgive. And sometimes we walk through things in our lives with that trauma and the drama that we all walk through. The thing that God wants to keep in us is the innocence of a child. When we allow the trauma and drama of life to come upon us and we begin to get hard, we begin to close ourselves off from God. And when we close ourselves off from God, we're closing ourselves off from a lot of things. And he says right here, this is why I've chosen Abraham. This is, you know, when we have children, they're, they're, a, they're a, a, a blessing from the Lord. They're a gift from God. They're a reward. And God says part of that reward is as we're training them in his ways, that he will fulfill the things that he's spoken over our lives. And some of those things are in our own lives as a man, and some of those things are in our lives as our children will carry on the things maybe that seem to get left behind that they can carry on for the Lord. Can you say amen? I want to share these quick five things uh, with you that I've learned. I want to give you kind of an, an analogy. Like I said, I am, I am not perfect in any means, you know, as a parent. Uh, my kids can say that. But relationship, like I said, it's, it's one of our, our goals or one of our values as a church. It's one of our values even as a family. Relationship is, is so key um, to be able to stay connected and, and want to stay connected. And sometimes, you know, valuing that relationship, sometimes it means I need to keep my mouth shut. And sometimes valuing that relationship means I need to speak up. And the wisdom is knowing the balance in between, right? And uh, so... I kind of want to just give you a picture of like, you know, you're, you're not going to get it right all the time. So it's like kind of give you a baseball an analogy. You're not going to hit a home run every time you're with your wife or with your tree. You're not going to hit a home run every time. Get past that. Everybody wants to come up to the plate and hit the home run. But it's, it's, it's something that only happens now and again. You have to be content to get on first base and then get on second base and get on third base and come back home and just do it again. And sometimes you strike out. But guess what? Hitting the ball and wanting the whole way around the base and going from base one, two, three to home is the same point. It's the same score. You still get one point. It's just the process of it. So I'm not saying that these are the perfect ways. I'm just saying that, that I found out when I have practiced these, and there's times that I haven't, and I, I struck out or I, I foul ball or whatever, but when I practice these, I've gotten the greatest results as a husband and a wife. And here's number one. We need to declare your commitment. You have to declare your commitment. Our kids need to hear that you're committed to them. 
Your spouse needs to hear that you're committed to them. I'm committed to you, especially, and it, it seems so, you know, everything of the kingdom of God is upside down to the kingdom of this world. In the, even in the middle of controversy, even in the middle where you're having discussions and things seem to be so heated, you can still say, you know what, and even in the midst of this, I'm committed to this relationship. This bothers me. This is stirring things up in me. Maybe something in your character and something in my character, whatever it is, but regardless of what's going on, I am committed to you. So vital. People need to know that they're committed. We have such a lack of commitment in our culture today. Such a lack of commitment to friendship. Such a lack of commitment to family. I was talking with an elderly couple last night, precious, precious couple, Larry and Esther. They're from Rice, Minnesota. And they were just talking about, you know, things that they've heard is like even, even in marriage, like it's like people give up so quick. Here they've been married, they're they're older, they must have been probably in their late 70s, early 80s. And they're just like, people give up so quick. And it's like, I, I don't even understand how quick they give up. And it says they don't even not even give up on each other. They don't care if even they get the kids. Both of them are like, whatever. I don't care about the kids either. It's like, where's the commitment at? This comes down to that part where we talked about loving ourselves. You can't love yourself until you receive God's love for you. Then you have a healthy love for yourself that you can be confident in His love and confidently give His love. You have to declare your commitment. Our words can cut and wound, but our unspoken words are the ones that often kill and destroy. Every single person needs affirmation. And that affirmation, your wife and your children, man, it is you're probably your, one of your number one jobs is to affirm. Jesus got affirmed. He got affirmed several different times in the scriptures. This is my son in whom I delight. He's my son. I'm committed to him. He belongs to me. I delight in him. Our children need to know and your wives need to know that you're committed. Amen? Number two. You believe the best and look for ways to draw it out. You have to believe the best. I, 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 you know, I, I have to admit, this is one that for myself sometimes it's, it's hard because in, in the middle of something, you, it's so easy to fixate on the things that are just going on in front of you instead of seeing things the way God sees it. But it's just, it's that thought process stopping for a minute and retreating. You don't have to run away somewhere to have a moment. Sometimes it's just right there, but you can retreat. You have this, this habitation. You have this place of refuge in your spirit with God where in the moment of things, you can just kind of step out of the situation for a minute and just kind of turn to Jesus. What do I do here, Lord? I've, I've learned to do this so much in, in counseling people and speaking with people, myself, situations that come on that I might get overwhelmed with. I just kind of retreat inside. Nobody knows that I went anywhere, but I did. I went right to the Lord. Lord, what do I do? How do I handle this? What's the right way? Because right now, inside, <laughs> right? What do I do? Show me what to do. He'll have the best answer. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only, hear, I only say what I hear the Father say. God will speak something. And maybe sometimes he just says, be silent. Don't say anything. Maybe they need to hear the last words that are spoken. Because the last words that are spoken are the ones that just kind of repeat it over and over again. Right? Got to believe the best, draw it out. Love is, you want to sum up what love is? You can, you can, you can uh, memorize the love chapter of your one, or you can just memorize this portion. Love is patient. Love is kind. 
That's it. Everything else in that chapter says what it does and what it doesn't do. But love is patient and love is kind. This is a great love check right here. You know, checking myself, am I being patient? Was I patient with my wife? Was I patient with my kids? Was I being kind in the moment? Was I being kind? Number three, learning how to build up without tearing down. I think sarcasm is one of the, one of the evils in the world today. Sarcasm. I th- it's great to have a, a good sense of humor. I know I had to check myself on this. I am very quick-witted, and I have tore down a lot of people because I said things that I didn't even need to say. Just because they went through your brain doesn't mean you got to speak it. Sarcasm is just like, it, 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 there's complaining in it, there's judgmentalism, there's criticism inside of, of sarcasm. You see it in our sitcoms where, where families are tearing everyone down. Inside the, the family dynamics of the sitcoms, it's like, it's, it's so disorderly. It's like all they do together is have fun and do things, but when it comes to real life relationships, all they do is cut each other down. We have to be able to build each other up without tearing each other down. So, if I can't build you up or if I, if I can't correct you or, or, or build you up and make myself bigger without making you feel smaller, then I'm not really making myself feel bigger anyhow. You know, Paul says there's several different times in, to the churches that he wrote to, he says, the authority that God has given me is for the purpose of building up and not tearing down. And this was another one that I had to, you know, check myself. I had to be careful because still today I've got to be careful of how I say it, how I want to say something, and make sure that I'm not saying it in a way that's tearing down the way that God wants them to see themselves. And it's my responsibility and your responsibility to help them to see. We're leading them in God's ways. We want to lead them to see how God sees them. And if I just throw something in there, that helps them to think in any way that they have no value or they're, they're belittled in any way because of whatever, then I'm not doing my part. I, I'm missing it somewhere. A lot of times we do this because um, we're trying to control the situation. So many of us, we try to control the situation because we don't want to deal with the situation that's going on on the inside of us. So we'd rather control somebody else so that we don't have to deal with this. Can you say, this is some good teaching right now. So we don't have to deal with this. But guess what? God will just have another opportunity to come up because he loves you so much because he needs you to deal with this so you can see who you really are. Because when you see who you really are, we will not have such a hard time seeing other people the way that Jesus sees them. Are you with me? Leading and controlling, are two, they're, they're, they're not the same thing, totally different. Controlling somebody. You know, controlling, it's actually an oxymoron because by trying to keep control, you're, you actually go out of control. You can't keep control. Look what uh, uh, Viktor Frankl said in the beginning, you, you cannot control what happens to you in life, but you can always control how you respond to the situation. And I don't know about you, but I want to get better. I know I've, I've grown in it, but I still want to get better at responding the right way in Jesus' name. I, I'll give you a quick story with this. This is probably the extreme, but it taught me a lesson. Um, we were living in Florida. Our godchildren were spending the night, um, Zoe and, and Jelena. 
and it was late, I don't remember, just over the weekend or whatever, I don't know, we spent so much time together, and whatever, I was just tired, and I was cranky, and, and uh, the kids were being loud, and I was ready to go to sleep, and they were on the other side of the house just being loud. I went over, and I opened that door, and I don't even remember anything that I said. I mean, I didn't say anything, you know, foul in the sense of cussing or anything like that, but at the same time, I was harsh, talking about my house and my da da whatever, and I walked back over, and my wife has my crown. <laughs> You're wrong. You're wrong. And I knew, the moment that I did it, I knew I was wrong. And that's the part that we want to fix. We want to, we want to change the regret that we have after by choosing to choose the right choice before. And, and what happened in that moment is little Zoe, I can't remember how old she was, maybe she might have been, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old. I lost my relationship with her for about two years she wouldn't, she wouldn't give me a hug. She wouldn't hardly look at me. Whenever I was around, it's like I wasn't there. I hurt her. I, in, in some way, I crushed that relationship with her, and it took that time to be able to get that back. Now we're, now we're back there. If I see her, we'll give each other a hug. But that's the idea, trying to control. When we try to control situations, what happens? You know it's the truth. You just admit it to yourself. You lose control. You can't control it. We have to give it over to the Lord. Two more. I'll be done. You can actually come, John, if you want to come. Number four. Some may disagree with this, but you focus on the person and not just the behavior. I think sometimes as guys especially, we'll just, you know, we can fixate on the behavior. I've been, you know, just looking at this, I've been seeing it, you know, in my own life. I come home and Silas is one to, to start oodles of things and finish none of them. <laughs> so you walk into the house and everywhere he was, it was everything that he started all over the place and nothing that he finished. I mean, I mean lights on, cabinet doors open, this project over here and, and over there. And, and I can find myself easily just coming into the house. Hey, Silas, come over here, clean that up, clean that up, clean that up. Come on, boy, let's get this together. Come on. And just always focusing on the behavior instead of the person himself. If we concentrate just on what's happening on the surface, we miss might, what might be really happening on the inside. And sometimes it seems so silly to us. You know, part of this, I believe that we think as, as adults that it's so silly for children to act the way that they, they are acting is because we forgot what it's like to be a kid. We forget what it's like to be a kid. And we're expecting them to act like adults when they're just kids. Just getting on their level and taking that moment. I so appreciate the parents, some of those parents in this church, some friends that we had in Florida. They hear the stories of how they went the extra mile just to sit on the edge of their bed of their child until their child would open up so that they could talk. Sometimes till 2, 3 in the morning, even though they had to get up at 6 to go to work. No, you mean something to me. I want to find out what's really going on because what you did is not really the, what really was going on. What's happening inside here? That's what's really happening. People can forget what we say to them, but they never forget the way that we make them feel. I think it's so key. I just kind of had this uh, this week. Just, I, you know, called a company that we have a contract with and, 
was talking with them and the lady, lady answered the phone and I didn't know who she was. And, and I said, hey, you know, it, was, it was an insurance company. I said, hey, my son is, uh, how can we help you? He's like, my, I didn't even mention names. I'm just like, my son has a, had two cars. He's got one. They sold. Just wanted to get it off the insurance policy. And she said, is this Jeff? I said, you're good. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, she must have got caller ID. She goes, no, I just remember your voice. The last time we talked, you were so kind to me. People may forget the words that you say, but they'll always remember how you make them feel. And, you know, my kids, you know, my older kids, Silas is a little more sensitive than, than they were growing up, and I have to watch that. You know, even, even, even as him, you know, in, in our home, um, every child is different. You've got to cater to really how God designed them to you. There's that hard wire that you want to nurture in God. There's that the nurture that you've got to be careful. Make sure you're giving them positive experiences in the right way because they're learning your values. They're going to take that and they're going to do the same thing just like you did. There's times whenever I, after I became a, a parent, I called my mom back and said, Mom, I'm so sorry for everything that I did. <laughs> Because now I'm the parent and I'm seeing these things kind of happen in my life. <laughs> Last one. I know it went a little bit longer, but we're still on time. But Determined to love without conditions. Even as Christians, I think sometimes this is, this is hard. We, we're choosing to love regardless of what they do. It kind of goes a little bit. I was going to almost keep it together with commitment, but I believe that they can be separate that we want to express to them, this has nothing to do, this does not change my love for you. Whatever you do, whatever you've done, I love you. I love you. It's not going to change. They need to hear that. Only, the only obligation that love have, has is to love. It's the only obligation. Love just loves. I'll read the scripture. You can stand with me. Colossians 3.12 says this, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is the part that got me when I first read it from this translation. Make allowance for each other's faults. Make allowance. Give them room to make, make faults. But don't stop loving them. Give them room. They're, we're going to make mistakes, but don't, don't make them feel that you don't love them. Forgive anyone who offends you. That's even with family. Remember the Lord forgave you. You must. Maybe you see that in your Bible too. You must forgive them. 